0: Alright guys, hello and welcome to another episode of Biomast, where we obviously had a bit of a break last week, and uh, I hope you all had a happy and safe holiday season, but we are back. So, without much further ado, we're going to get started with introductions. we got a pretty long show today, so let's get started. Uh, starting at the top of the list with Sarai
1: Hi, I'm Sarai Zell. Um, I'm a co-host here on the show, and a uh, n- now regularly playing Star Citizen, along with my uh, various VR games.
0: Alright, and Bait.
2: Hey, everybody. I'm Bate. Um, I am a a member of the PC Master Race now.
0: Yes, he is. We'll cover that later. He's got some pretty cool pictures to share. Uh, And Libby. Libby, you got an introduction for us, are you having child aggro? Uh,
3: I was pressing the wrong button. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yay! Okay, I'm Libby. Um, I do blogging stuff. I also now am a member of the PC crew, so Yay!
0: yep and more pictures to come and of course i am pokey draven i help host the show uh, write for the blog and i do all of the uh, producing for our twitch stream which is available and live right now if you're interested um but before we get started there is one really pressing question that i think a lot of you have probably had um certainly we have here on the show but the question is is
3: he back people keep asking me if i'm back and i haven't really had an answer for him but yeah I'm thinking I'm back. Hey, That's right,
0: guys. So we had hey, Jason is back with us. What's up, man?
3: Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I uh, had a about a six month hiatus. Uh, I was uh, doing a doing a gig for uh, some my other employer uh, in in a faraway land. So it was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 back now. So it's uh, it's actually pretty pretty well timed here at the first show of the of the uh, of the new year. So uh, I. I'm sort of here tagging along today, just kind of uh, seeing how things are going, because uh, I have literally touched almost nothing uh, that this show talks about in six months. Uh, so I'm doing a little bit of catch up on uh, on what, we're, what, uh, what we've got going on and really what's uh, what's to come in 2017.
0: All right. Fantastic. It's, it's great to have you back, man. I'm glad you uh, were able to return to us safely. So it's uh, certainly a welcome New Year's gift. Yep. Um, no, to yeah, go. So, to go. since since you are back um, and starring in your new movie, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, John Wick Two and the new trailer?
3: I can do that. Okay. So, um, what one of the things that I did have pretty good access to was some interwebs, uh, and and I'm a big fan of uh, like keeping up on current movie events and all that kind of good stuff. So. The one that caught my eye was, uh, I think we all knew John Wick 2 was coming out for a while, but they did release uh, two trailers here in the last couple of months. Uh, the last one about a week ago, I think, and they look pretty bomber, honestly. They definitely pick up pretty much right where the the uh, previous John Wick uh, left off. And its uh, I think it's going to be promising more of the same in uh, in terms of the character build. And it sounds like they're going to do something that, that a lot of folks really wanted them to do, which was, build more about that sort of shadow world that, uh, that sort of inhabits that sort of mythos that inhabits around the, uh, the John wick story. Uh, so should be kind of cool. Actually uh, it looked pretty neat to me anyway, anyway. And I think some of the signature action stuff is going to be in there clearly from the trailers. There's a lot of rounds of YouTube videos going around of uh, Keanu Reeves, going you know, a three gun competition out in uh, like Southern California where he's just absolutely shredding it. Uh, he's, he, he, on that video, he, cle- he clearly, at least from my eye, he's, he's probably better than I was when I actually had to shoot for 11. So it's uh, it, it's probably, it's pretty interesting. I mean, he makes it look good. He does the character well. Uh, so I, I'm pretty interested to see more about uh, how they lay out that world in terms of, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's definitely a video gamey kind of world in terms of this shadowy realm of... Uh, mafiosos and like international assassins and stuff that have their own currency system, have their own political laws, their own sort of everything going on in the background that nobody else in the world sees. It looks pretty cool. Uh, And I suspect it's going to, again, have some of those really cool highlight reel moments that you see uh, out of the first, first movie.
0: Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks pretty badass, and we'll we'll definitely check that one out. It's, lots of good trailers in that coming out recently, so uh, some good some good flicks coming this uh, this year. We, uh, it is coming out uh, February tenth, John Wick two, so that that'll be available you in uh, know, a little over a
3: month. I, I will have to say one of the things that I, f- I found kind of interesting. Uh, we kind of a lot of us uh, back when John Wick first came out, it was it was more about the uh, this really incredibly. Gossamer-like thread tie to uh, to Project Legion at that point. That's a video game by CCP. They were attempting to put out um, that there was like this literally like 0.5 second scene time of this thing on there. But what's really surprised me? I went back and actually saw that whole movie again. Uh, like the, uh, like haluted or something like that. While I was while I was gone. Um, that was just a. that movie came out. I remember it just came out of nowhere. I was absolutely not expecting it. Knew nothing about the movie when it came out. I was just like, ah, oh, it's another Keanu Reeves movie. I give a shit. But uh it was actually surprisingly good and it holds up really well. So I you know, I'm hoping it's uh, pretty successful and at least entertaining. hmm Yeah, it looks good. Yep. Nope. So so
0: the, I, guess another one that, the,
3: I guess Go
0: ahead. Yes, another one that came out uh is the new trailer for the Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which looks pretty badass i mean what would you think about that guy
3: oh that oh i'm i'm incredibly interested in that um i i remember reading philip k dick's uh do androids dream of electric sheep when i was i think in junior high and i really didn't understand most of it uh, in all honesty uh, at that time then i went back i've re- re-read it a couple times since then and uh the but just simple hey here's an interesting factoid for you uh, if you go- google philip k dick uh, you will find that a huge number of Hollywood movies are based on his short stories. Like his short stories um, are phenomenal in, uh, in terms of like, how do you produce something that sounds like a good movie in like 20 to, to 50 pages? He, he does, he was a master at that, but he just basically wrote a bunch of science fiction short stories. And uh, he was the writer of uh, this book called do do Androids dream of electric sheep, which then became blade runner which that now that was a full length novel. Uh, that was a fun, that was a phenomenal movie by anybody's measure. It doesn't matter if you're a science fiction fan or whatever, that movie probably really put Ridley Scott on the map, uh, cemented Harrison Ford in a lot of ways. It did, uh, incredible things for the genre of science fiction. It was just a great movie. And to this day, that movie holds up incredibly well. Uh, you, and there's been two or three different cuts of it. There's a director's cut and there's a, a couple other ones that, and they really believe it or not, tell the story fairly differently. Uh, but I, I was a little shaky on uh, what's his name? Uh, Gosling uh, being, being in it, but looks pretty solid. Uh, he, he does. Look, I have noticed Rick Deckard and Han Solo look a lot, a lot, a, little alike, a lot alike. It's kind of interesting how they age, age well together. But uh I'm very keen to see how this works out. Now, there were a, there was a series of books that came out. There was three books that came out that actually detailed sort of what happened after. They weren't written by Philip K. Dick, so I don't. It doesn't. I don't think they're going to follow those. I think this is going to be much more uh, Ridley Scott's personal view on how that world would have developed. Now, here's an interesting one for you for uh, Blade Runner. The only the only move there was never a sequel that Ridley Scott wrote or or blessed off on or signed or whatever that that went into the works until now however uh there was a a, a movie called soldier with kurt russell that came out probably 12 15 years ago where he plays sort of a kind of a super soldier kind of guy cast you know gets get, gets cast off with a bunch of you know uh calling this somewhere and has to like fight against the man that kind of thing uh, pretty decent little action flick It was nothing spectacular that is directly set in the world of blade runner and it was done with ridley scott's blessing so there's actually a lot of little uh blade runner easter eggs dotted throughout that movie uh in fact there's um there's a couple different references to the character that kurt russell plays fighting in some of the same battles or having been in the same places that Rutger Hauer references in, in that just incredibly moving sort of death, speed of Blade Runner. Uh, But it's just like I said, kind of an interesting little Google, Google fact there, but it looks really good. Uh, I think that's probably the the one movie that I'm probably really the most interested in, in seeing in the next year uh, that I, you know, you know, I think other than what the next star Wars coming out, but that movie right there looks, if it's done well, and it's going to be extremely hard to top the original Blade Runner, or at least come up on par with it. Uh, that could be, that could be pretty bomber. Yeah, I mean, like you now. said. It, sorry, go, right, ahead. You.
0: Right, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, like you said jay it's it's no doubt that blade runner has been so incredibly influential in terms of the development of sci-fi over the years especially kind of the, the cyberpunk genre which you see in in all other you know very very uh popular series that it all kind of has this, this pretty deep tie to blade runner so it'll be kind of interesting to kind of come full circle with it back in in you know the modern time now that after all those other uh franchises have come out and those concepts of concepts have kind of spread throughout you know, uh, the various movies and and games and stuff like that to see kind of how people, you know, receive it and how they feel about it with, you know, a new generation looking at it and kind of getting a feel for this is kind of where it started. And this is kind of the new made old sort of uh, style of movies we've seen recently. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this one as well.
3: Yeah. It's, I, I, if you haven't watched that movie, uh, I think Zell, you, you literally haven't seen the movie. I would highly recommend going and watching it. Like just, Kill two hours, watch the movie. It's it's really, really well done. And particularly if you remember, if you look at when the movie was produced, it was extraordinarily well done. And it leaves a lot of open-ended questions that a lot of people really want to know what's going to happen in this movie. Um, one of the interesting things I will say, though, is I think that was the first movie that I can remember where the you, you the bad guy was as much of a protagonist as the quote-unquote good guy was. So the whole the whole skit behind Blade Runner is that basically the, the name Blade Runner is sort of, sort of a bounty hunter. That's actually the a colloquial name for somebody that retires, A.K.A. kills uh, replicants or androids. And you'll see that word replicant by the way in a lot of things. You know, to include Fallout by the way, most of the synths in Fallout, they're direct ties back to either William Gibson books uh, or. To Blade Runner, interesting little gamer note, note there. But so the whole idea was that Deckard in the original Blade in the original Blade Runner movie was a cop whose job was to hunt down and retire these androids that would get away. These replicants—they're not really robot androids. They're—I would say—they're more like uh, bioengineered uh, people, almost uh, kind of like clones. But they're—you know—android is not necessarily the right word. They're not mechanical. Um, but they have an incredibly short lifespan. I think it's like five or six years or something like that. So he he chases down Rutger Hauer and his little crew of three, you know, like four uh, four other replicants. And uh, throughout throughout the entire time, what's apparent is that at some point you realize that is is Rick Deckard actually one of the bad guys. Qu- you know, it, it's very morally ambiguous throughout the movie. When you really sit back and look at it. And uh, in the end, you you really under you really try to figure out like who is the bad guy and who's the good guy because there's not really one, uh, which I always thought was kind of interesting about this movie. But who how they're going to recapture something that uh, Rutger Hauer, who played Roy Batty, the uh, or Roy Batty, the uh, the sort of the main contender with uh, Harrison Ford, uh, his character Rick Deckard. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that because Rutger Hauer, if you go back and watch that performance. That's what a lot of people reference, a lot of actors reference for uh, actually some of the modern interpretations of the Joker uh, came from some of how Roy, Roy Batty operates in, uh, in Blade Runner. It was also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that was what whoever wrote the Vampire Lestat, I can't remember her name for the life of me, uh, she was picturing Picture. Rutger Hauer. And the way he portrayed Roy Batty when he when she was writing and visualizing uh, the character of uh, Lestat and all the God what is what is her name? Anne Rice, I think. Thank you, thank you, Anne Rice. So there's a there's a lot of touch points to modern sort of fiction that we see out there from that movie. So fast forward, uh, I think it's literally like 35 or 40 years in the future. Yeah, it's almost real time, like 35 years in the future. And Rick Deckard's alone and obviously aged, and there's a, seems like a young cop that comes finds him, which is Ryan Gosling. So, I'm very keen to see how this movie uh, sort of changes things, or how it progresses the story. That's an incredible stream of consciousness. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, you're fine, man. It's, it's all good stuff. Uh, what were you going to say, Bate, earlier?
2: Well, I was just going to say that, you know, as somebody who has never, never seen Blade Runner, I, I, I am quite interested in, in this movie. guess I should probably watch the other one, though yeah yeah man that'd yeah. Be good.
0: well and it's interesting as well because you've got ghost of the shell coming out this year as well um which is kind of along uh, some similar lines so it's worth mention yeah, have you guys talked about that uh, a little bit but if you want to jump in on it that's this is probably a good good segment.
3: no i was just kinda, i was kind of curious I, f- I saw the live trailer probably about a month ago and it was uh it was all in Russian, so I, you know, I can only pick out about, pick out about every second word, but it's uh, it, it looked pretty bomber. I mean, it it was shot for shot, right out of the right out of the old anime oh
0: yeah the, the original movie it's from what i can tell it's pretty much a straight remake which is good because the first movie was was really quite good i just hope they don't got a lot of the more philosophical stuff that doesn't translate as well to the like american movie screen but it, it's really important so you know i do hope they kind of maintain the original uh thought and, and purpose behind the, the first film but yeah it looks it looks solid i'm i'm eager about this one but concerned that it could go bad really easily if they don't uh include the parts that made the original great. Well,
3: there was a lot going on in that movie. I mean, I mean, there was a lot oh, yeah. going it's, on. It's in it's Good heavy film. stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it it's kind of that level of information density that, you know, if if you like that sort of thing, it, it's great. Um, most people don't, though, which kind of leads to the question for you know the developers of this movie: Do they want to keep that level of density and maybe turn some people off, or do they want to kind of you know simplify it for for kind of your, more of your mainstream film? So it could go either way. Um, it's it's hard to get a read on it, but I mean, I I can understand why the original isn't for everyone because it is it's pretty heavy stuff. It's it's a lot of information that you really have to digest quickly, and it's one of those films you have to see. Two three times to kind of get the full picture of it. So, you know, it it could go either.
3: I, I think I think my age right now, I could probably absorb it. But I remember when I first saw Ghost in the Shell, like the the anime, that was I was a kid, and I I found it like in a believe it or not in a blockbuster because I was like I, I enjoyed watching uh, all the Robotech series, all the Macross stuff when I was a kid. Uh, and I was like, "Oh, well, this looks like kind of the same stuff." And I just like watched like a, some of my first anime, like Vampire Hunter D and uh, Fist of the North Star. You know, like classic sort of Japanese anime stuff. Mm-hmm. So I pulled that, and I was—I'll tell you, like I didn't get most of that movie when I first watched it. And that I was a kid, you know, I was like, you know, probably you know f- fourteen maybe um, at at most. And and I was—I had to go back and I actually rewatched it here, probably three, four months ago, it, it it made a lot more sense now. But it also, it's funny, it, it really does tie really well into Blade Runner. It's almost the exact same world, in, in all honesty, in terms of mm-hmm. the setting of it.
0: Yeah, the, the, the connection is definitely there. So it, it's, it's going to be a good year for Cyberpunk. I'm excited. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and we did our spoiler-free episode, but uh, we're going to kind of get a little more in-depth, but I think everyone here has seen uh, the new Star Wars except for Bait, but we've gotten his permission to to talk a little openly about it. So if you have still not seen Star Wars Rogue One and you really don't want spoilers, um, best fast-forward to the recording or uh, mute your stream, but... Uh,
3: hashtag yeah, so that's a you you problem you guys, yeah
0: kind of our rule is you know you get two weeks after it comes out and then we'll then we'll break the spoiler seal so we're here we are uh, two weeks later but uh what do you guys think i mean i, I know that uh, we, we kind of talked briefly about it with me and zell and and, and libby but uh, i know you saw uh jay so what, what were your thoughts on it? uh
3: i thought that was probably one of the better star wars movies that i've seen uh it was probably I still think Empire Strikes Back is probably my favorite uh that was it's probably on that rung right below that
0: yeah I I actually enjoyed it more than episode seven um personally I I thought it was I, I love seven don't get me wrong but like Rogue One just had I don't know just something about it just really clicked for me and I thought it was absolutely fantastic I mean it was just a lot of really good stuff it was kind of a good perspective change on on what you normally see in a Star Wars film it was a little more um Dark and gritty, in the sense that it's not all space magic and Jedi's. It's you know these are people getting blown up and and effectively act, you know committing acts of terrorism um, to fight the Empire. And it's it's it was really good to kind of see them taking a different direction with that. And the characters were all fantastic, even though they all died. Um, but uh, um, like K two,
3: they was killed
1: Wash a- again. What's up with that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's a leaf on the wind. There
0: you go. Yeah, but K two was was freaking awesome. Like he's probably my favorite droid in the series now so far. He, he's kind of what I would imagine R two to be like if he could actually speak English. Just this really sarcastic ass the whole time, who's saying things that <laughs> aren't really appropriate, but um, kind of get filtered through through C three P O. But you kind of get it firsthand with with K two. I thought that was that was probably my favorite part was was that bit of humor that they they injected in there, which was it was nice i felt like the humor was a little less slapstick than episode seven which um it felt a little more mature i think in that sense um some of it was still pretty you know blatantly humorous rather than just you know uh a little more you know tongue-in-cheek but still it was it was good stuff you know the, the sarcasm was good um it, it kind of helped you lift the, the the dark tone of the film a bit like uh, when they're putting the hood over um I forget his name, but the blind character's head, and he's like, "Are you kidding me? I'm blind." Um, I, I laughed pretty hard on that one, so I, I did enjoy that part of it as well.
3: Now that that was that was actually a pretty good flick. I, I will have to agree with you, Pokey. I think I liked it. I liked it better than uh, episode seven, uh, and I, I, liked, I enjoyed episode seven too. That was that was good, but I definitely I definitely thought this was this. I liked it because it was a much different tone, and it wasn't. Um uh, it, it was definitely a street level, you know, kind of Star Wars stuff. You gotta like get to see a lot of the different things going on in the universe that you didn't really get to see with uh you know, with all those with all the other movies. It was actually pretty good and I enjoyed it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and I like the fact that we actually got to see um because they always speak of Darth Vader as kind of being this terrifying force of, you know, just these absolute terrifying and awful and then when you get through episodes four through six the choreograph thing was not quite there you you didn't really get that that sense of of power that he had but that ending scene when he's down the hallway and i was just like holy shit like it's all black and then the saber um comes out and the rebel troops are basically shitting their pants and he just slices through i was like This guy is a badass. Like, that's the Vader that they always talked about, but you never got to see. I love that part. Like, that was, I had chills from that moment till the very end of, you know, when the credits started. Like, that was just awesome.
3: That was, that was very legit. Uh, I, I, I like the fact that they only really used him. I was waiting, what, three total scenes, maybe four and a half minutes of screen time total.
0: Pretty much, yeah. I,
3: it was just enough where you're like, man, I want so much more of that. But, they didn't overuse him at all. It was, which was pretty good. Uh, I like the, I, I thought the fact that they tied that movie so well into episode four and they did it in, in some really ingenious ways. Uh, I, I thought was really, really solid. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I definitely give them, I definitely give them a, a kudos. It really changed a lot of the canon of the, of how the, uh, of how the rebellion kind of really got it, got started and, um, uh, got the plans to the death star. Cause there's that, that, you know, famous line, you know, many Bothans died uh, You have to get this plans, So it makes me that was really the biggest retcon piece that they did in there uh, because there's not actually a Bothan in the movie. The, uh,
1: you got that wrong. The mini Bothans line refers to the uh, plans for the Death Star 2, oh, uh, not okay. the original Death Star. It's a That's very awesome. common misconception on the internet. Oh, on
0: the
1: internet. there you go. No, I, no I Bothans like... were killed in the making of this movie and that is Not a retcon. <laughs>
0: I I did like Val um, the torpedo. That, yes, yes, and and, and obviously more versed than I am, but uh, I, I liked um, how they they made it canon that the whole weak point of the Death Star was actually intentional uh, the yes. whole time, and that it yeah. wasn't just a it wasn't just kind of a weird plot hole that we all just kind of accepted because you know it's Star Wars. It was no, that was actually the whole point of this thing is that he built in this weak point, and then they got the plans to exploit it. It was like. Wow, that was really simple and clean way to do it, but it made the whole thing feel much better. I was like, I, that 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 little tidbit just worked for me for the whole series in general.
3: Yeah, so in case anybody doesn't know, like the whole entire the entire piece of this is really just it's a, it's basically a a heist movie uh, that you know it's like or sort of a I guess Mission Impossible style movie like you know old school like Mission Impossible one or two with Tom Cruise like how do you get how do you get the Death Star plan sort of thing. Uh, what I think really made this work was that they kept the movie very encapsulated. Now I think the first probably 20 minutes where had, they had to do a lot of planet hopping to, to, to really kind of show the breadth of what was going on in the universe. That, that was a little bit choppy, but uh, I think all the individual scenes worked well. They, they had to time in together. Uh, but the, the fact that kept it so encapsulated worked really good. And, and to be straight with you, what killed it was in a good way was that, the character actors they had were absolutely spot on. I mean, nobody sucked. Everybody was good. And everybody, all of the actors or actresses, if you will, fit their characters really, really well. And it really left you wanting to know a lot more about them. Uh, You get a lot about Jen Erso, definitely the the primary protagonist. I mean, that kind of made sense. Um, But I was really fascinated by Krennic because of all the, all of the bi plays that were going on with him, I, I thought was phenomenal that, yeah, you know, K2 and Cassian, you could have like a whole series of adventures with those guys that I would totally buy. Uh, but by, but to me, the, the best way, you know, is like the classic, you know, space odd couple was uh, Baze Malbus and uh, uh true team The, the two sort of uh, things, guardian of the wheels, uh, which AKA Jedi temple guards or whatever, not, Jedis, but th- they were awesome. Donnie Yen, phenomenal in that movie.
0: Yeah, they they worked really well. I mean, in for all intents and purposes, they were kind of side characters. Like they 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 were supportive in, in their role, but they weren't really truly integral to in what was going on in terms of you know uh, characters and whatnot. But still, they they didn't feel like they were forced in there. They they really meshed really well with the rest of the cast, and and it felt natural and organic that they were there, even if it wasn't critical to the plot. But it was still really good to have them in there and they, their performance is absolutely fantastic and their interaction between each other was 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 awesome and, and they have some some of the better moments i think in the film
3: oh there was some straight saving private ryan shit going down like in the last oh, 15 yeah, minutes the last... of the
0: movie oh yeah it's like okay well everything's going to shit but you know at least at least we we're going to succeed and then you know then all get blown away in a really depressing series of events it was just well, like
3: uh well I, tell, I saw. i knew it was I gonna the... end this way so i saw this movie with with my uh with my son who's he turned eight yesterday and so when i first came back uh, from my extended vacation there like one of the first things we did is like i took him to see the star wars movie It, it just come out so i literally got back on opening weekend and um he you know he's a big star wars fan you know mostly because i've sort of trained him that way but uh I could tell towards the like as the as they kept getting as the as the heroes kept getting dying off like one by one, he was getting more and more uncomfortable <laughs> towards the end of the towards the end of the movie, and I felt I felt kind of bad for him. But uh, he he was uh, it, that was actually pretty heavy duty that that scene where uh, uh, Donnie Yen's character like does the whole like. I am with the force, and the force is with me. Uh, which, by the way, is an incredible hashtag. Like, I will say that forever on any gaming stream that I'm on now. Uh, like, uh, we were—I was doing a raid with a, in a in another game earlier, and I literally started saying over comms, "I'm with the raid, and the raid is with me. I'm with the raid, and the raid <laughs> is with me." And awesome. as we we're slaying like the dragon or whatever this huge monster thing or whatever it was, and I, I was, everybody's just pissing themselves laughing on comms. <laughs>
0: That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean it's, and that's kind of the key point. Like you put that there. All the characters are extremely likable. Like they have their moments, but you you really, in the course of you know a single movie, you really care for them. And at the end, you're like, well oh, shit, they all not die. Like you, you feel bad about it. And it's like, well, you know, you knew it was going to happen, but they're they're just they're so likable, and it's it's a really enjoyable watch and, and a great cast. So you know, absolutely fantastic movie. I, 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 I like this style of storytelling where it's. It's part of the universe, but it is it is obviously tied to the story, but it's not part of that main thread of thought. So I'm kinda, I can't wait for the next kinda, one to come out.
3: Well, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to – I like these Star Wars one-off movies because there's a lot you can do with them because you're not really um, necessarily – like hooked. Now, I mean, this one was different because it had to lead directly into A New Hope. But you can do a lot with a standalone movie that's sort of not designed to like carry on. Um, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to work the the Han Solo prequel. That I'm very skeptical of, in all honesty. Uh, but this could be an interesting formula for them. I I thought that they, if they wanted to, they could actually have a pretty cool. You could have some pretty um, takeoffs with a lot of the side characters in terms of these like one-off movies. I mean, you can have like the Boba Fett movie that everybody's been wanting. Like you know, I. I it wouldn't have surprised me in this movie at some point that there was talks about having Boba Fett, like trying to hunt these guys down or something like that as part of the, you know, as like a one-off, you know, inside the movie, but there's a lot of things they could do in the star Wars world, but they did that very well. I actually thought Ben Mendelsohn's character, uh, the way he did Krennic was really good. Um, I didn't realize this, but you have seen that white uniform before and it was in episode four. One of the guys in the, in the little uh, boardroom meeting where, where Darth Vader like you know asserts his dominance, there uh, was wearing one of the white tunics. I, I didn't realize that that's actually like a real uniform thing for the Empire. But anyway, I, I thought his character did great. But there's obviously a lot of stuff going on there that talks. I learned more about things that were happening like inside like the architecture of the Empire, and then I learned more things about what was going on like like how does the Force actually work. Um, in terms of like what is it sort of the, the exposition components of it just through people not talking about it or just a little dropping hints like the way that donnie and he had this really interesting line where he asked bays like hey what does his face look like Do, You know, he's like well his face looks like he's a friend or he asked him does he look like a killer uh he's like well they the fort you know the force there's like a dark cloud around somebody when they're getting ready to kill and i was like that's interesting and i was like that Like, little things like that that they dropped throughout the movie without, like, going full Jedi on people was, I I thought, really, really well done. Uh, So, one of the coolest things I thought that they did in the movie was splice uh, B-roll sounds and uh, film footage from Episode 4 into into this one, like, particularly the X-Wing pilots. Those are actually the – that's actually footage, like, in the cockpit footage. A lot of that is from – stuff that never aired or never you know, is all on the cutting room floor for um, uh, episode four, which I thought was fantastic. That was a great job. Now, I will say the whole Tarkin thing was a little bit shady. I, I thought they did a great job of trying to bring a CGI Tarkin to life. It, it does hit that sort of uncanny valley where it's not doesn't quite look right. So they probably used Tarkin a little bit too much uh, because it just drew attention to it. But I thought it was a great effort. It's probably the best I've seen so far. Um, and then that that brief instant you had uh, Princess Leia towards the very end, I thought that was done really well because it was sort of a, just a few seconds of screen time and it lo- it worked fairly well.
0: Yeah. I mean, that one was, they're, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place on that where they, they knew they had to put him in there and they didn't, they really want to make it just kind of a one-off cameo he was obviously important to the story but at the same time they're like well he's not here so we kind of have to do cgi so you know i, I think given the fact that they kind of needed to have him in there and the limitations they had they did a pretty good job but you're right it did, it did kind of hit that that weird spot where the cgi is not quite there yet where you can really put them next to a, an actual you know person and then have it look the same um but yeah it was disney's done amazing work with with replicating people i mean <clears throat> Even when they like uh, in Tron, when they did the Jeff Bridges, um, young Jeff Bridges overlay on that, that was like, "Whoa, wow! Like that's that's really good." You know, I mean, you can tell, but it's still really good. And this was just kind of more of that, or was just you know really well done.
3: Yeah, it was. I'm um, I'm thinking that you know the th- the first time I really saw that done with any actual seriousness was Tron. But and I think when you saw the younger Jeff Bridges, like in the uh, in the scene with his the boy, his son, like the uh, the flashback, it didn't work quite as well. When you saw it with Clue, because it was inside the video game world, it everything kind of it worked really well. Like oh. it, it didn't, it didn't, it did not seem unnatural, so to speak. Uh, you could definitely tell it was a CGI character, but it, it the tone of the movie or the the setting of the movie worked it worked it. The other one was the Michael Douglas scene in Ant Man that worked really well, where they kind of de-aged him. Uh, this one I thought. Was as good as I think technology could make it happen right now, and it's pretty good. It's it's still not quite there, but it's you can tell. Give it another year or two, it's it'll be damn near spot on.
1: And they'll be able to make movies with with actors and actresses who are never even alive at the same time.
3: I, well, actually, that there's a great there's a couple great articles on that, Jake or Zell. Sorry, the uh, there's a whole lot of discussion about how actors' contracts. Are now being written where intellectual property and like likeness properties are changing. Like, how do you? Oh, you bet you the mouse. Somebody?
1: The mouse is going to lock that up. The house of mouse does not like screw around with that stuff. That's going to be in every new contract. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I was probably reading the same article because it was a really interesting read. And it, and it, you know some of the legal issues and in in the case of. Um, Tarkin here, and and some of the previous examples they gave, they did get the uh, the permission of the family, but you know, there's an argument point that you know, if they own the rights to a character, um, and and that character's portrayal in a movie, that they can uh, potentially, y- you could argue, you know, use the appearance of that character, even if that includes the fa- you know, the facial features of an actor.
3: Yeah, you know, there's been there's been more than one. A uh, lawsuit that's gotten flung around because of that. In fact, Crispin Glover, the guy that uh, that kind of re- creepy guy that played Marty McFly's dad in uh, the original Back to the Future, uh, he, he's been in all kind of really kind of odd, sort of avant-garde stuff. But he, one of the reasons he's not in Back to the Future Two was because of that. In fact, he sued and got a lot of money because they used. A likeness of him in the movie. It was kind of it's very convoluted, but it was very interesting. But I think there's definitely a change in property rights uh, in terms of like intellectual property versus uh, personal likeness property, you know, which is a thing in Hollywood, believe it or not.
0: I believe it. I mean, it's it, it definitely does press kind of an interesting legal battle of how they're going to take this. It'll be interesting to see how it, as more studios are capable of doing this sort of thing, um, how they move forward with it. But I think, like Zell said, you're going to have – Disney's going to be <laughs> probably at the forefront of kind of pushing that legal fight. because they, They're they just going to put it standard in their contract. It.
1: You, you want to be – wouldn't you surprise wanna, You want to work for the the only movie studio that's like actually doing well this decade – you sign out, assign away your rights. We have, we have Star Wars, we have Marvel, we have what, we have Pixar. Where else are you gonna go? They, they <laughs> say they want your likeness rights. You're gonna sign those suckers over.
0: Yeah, well, we'll have to see. It'll, it'll be an interesting uh, thing to follow as, as this starts to happen more and more. Um. Anyways, anything else in Star Wars, guys? Before we move along here. Alrighty. So, uh, Zell, do you want to tell us about what's going on with? Uh, the character from Overwatch—that's kind of the the poster child for the game.
1: Yeah. So um, the the big news with Overwatch uh, was that they released another one of their little comics um, about uh, just just before Christmas, and um, you know it's it's uh, their holiday themed comic issue. Um, but the the uh, the big highlight point um, that put them in the news is the fact that they announced that uh, Tracer is a lesbian, or and with their whole little surprise reveal that she has um, a girlfriend or wife doesn't really specify it's not a it's a very brief um intro um and so this set the usual um debate topic out on you know this and that and if they should or if they shouldn't and whatnot and blizzard blizzard actually teased that they were that they were going to announce one of the characters was um really since the game came out um they they made a big deal of that and obviously it wasn't going to be zarya because that would be stereotypical um but uh you know, it it to me it wasn't a it wasn't a huge deal. I don't know why you needed to. I don't know if it contributed much to the the comic story itself. Um, but uh, you know, whatever. There's people who are happy about it. You know, a- according to the like, you know, porn industry, they're all gay. So you know whatever <laughs> whatever well
2: but, <laughs>
0: and that that's that's kind of a given <laughs> when it comes to fan fiction or porn they can do whatever the hell they want but it, it's i have mixed feelings about this like i have obviously have no issues with the character you know, being homosexual or, or, or whatever. But the fact that Blizzard is like teasing about it, like, hey, guess what we're doing? Look what we're doing. We're doing it. We did it. I'm like when you make a big deal out of it, I think it kind of defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do, which is, you know, normalize it as something that's that's normal and shouldn't be considered uh, you know, a bad thing. And the fact that they kind of made a big deal about it, I'm like, I I wish they would have taken it a little more subtly rather than Pushing out and making a big fuss about that it. That was like, oh. uh,
1: that was almost certainly due to a, a department you're well familiar with, known as marketing, because, because. Uh, they <laughs> got they were trending on Twitter that
2: week.
0: Yeah, it's. And I'll cite um, Borderlands 2 as a good example of where I like how they introduced um, gay characters into a game or or a story or whatever, and it wasn't a big deal, and it was done in a way that truly wasn't a big deal. Like, for example, you're on a quest um, for a character named Hammerlock, and he's asking you to go do something, and he goes, oh, yeah, I had an old boyfriend that lived up in the mountains that he hid this treasure there. If you could go get the treasure, and that's the quest, and that's it. Just that Hammerlock, who was a male character, and I had a boyfriend. Um, and there's other uh, other bits of story that you'll get where um, there's a male character. You, you pick up like a little audio recording. There's a male character saying, um, "You know, please don't hurt my husband." And they're experimenting, and it's it's you know part of the story. It's, it's not important, but the fact is that it, it's not. It's just a male – it's not saying like, hey, I'm a male and my husband. It's just you can tell it's a male voice talking about his husband, um, and that's it, and you move on. And it's very maturely done where it's 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 in there. It's part of the world, but they don't really try to make a big deal out of it. Um, Borderlands, the pre-sequel, made a big deal out of it, and it kind of annoyed me. But the way that Borderlands 2 did it, I really liked how it was – just there. It wasn't something that they had to talk about or point out or mention. It was just there. Um, and it worked seamlessly with the story of what was going on, and, and that felt really natural. I think that was actually probably my favorite example of, of a game developer doing what Overwatch is trying to do here, which is it, it's it's fine. It's normal. This character you're obviously all in love with um, is gay, and that's, that's fine. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's not a bad thing. I just think it probably could have been handled a little bit differently, but as you said, it, it caused a big stir and, you know, good PR, bad PR, it's it's all good PR in the end. So, marketing. It's
1: you know, it, marketing. It's all marketing.
0: Yeah, it, it works to their advantage. Um, it's just, you know, I, personally, I thought it could have been handled a little bit better, but it wouldn't have had that kind of effect if that was their intention. So, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. Okay. Um we won't go too much into that one. That's, that's kind of something that people can can decide on their own. I don't want to get too political with it, but uh, I just wanted to use kind of an example of, of another game and how they did it in comparison. But uh, yeah, so another thing that's happened this past weekend, uh, actually the 24th and 25th, um, is that Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix had their uh, Japanese fan festival. And this is kind of the second part of their three-part series. They had the American fan fest, and the Japanese fan fest, and then the uh, European fan fest happening in February. But this this last um, last weekend, uh, they had the Japanese one, and they did confirm that Red Mage is the new playable class um they came out with uh, some more details gameplay that sort of stuff Uh, they said that at this point they've released about half the information that's available for the new expansion stormblood so we'll probably have a pretty big uh, chunk of information coming out for the uh, european fan fest that's exciting Um, but yeah, so the release date for that is going to be June 20th, 2017. That's when the big expansion is coming out. And part one of the 3.5 update for uh, Heaven's War, that's the current expansion, is coming out January 17th. And people kind of expect that part two of 3.5 will be coming out sometime in uh, June, or sorry, sometime in March. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's what's going on with that. There's a lot of information. I won't get too deep into it, but if you are a fan of Final Fantasy and happen to miss that the Japanese Fan Festival happened, there's lots of information out there, um, as well as some teasers for, for stuff to come, um, some some pretty interesting discussion on that one. So definitely worth taking a look at if you're a fan of the series. Uh, moving along, though, so Zell, you purchased uh, Aviv uh, some time ago, and as the... Steam sale was going on this this last couple of weeks here. You picked up a bunch of games, so do you want to tell us about your experience with uh with VR and, and moving forward into that universe?
1: I got like uh I got like um level four in, in the badges for the the sale mostly because I gave them a ton of money. I bought like a ton of games. Um, so yeah. Uh, the the hope is that uh, I'm gonna start going through the games that I I just purchased. Um, I'm gonna try and cover a couple every maybe week or other week whenever it's like. The, the the big thing about like playing VR is a it takes forever to set up and figure out what to, like get everything going for it and then um two um, it there's just like you don't want to wear it that long so um first and foremost uh, when I first got the thing I had to update the firmware in the headset and both the controllers and this time I had to update the uh, headset. And then the two, uh, the beacons on the sides of the room. And so you have to unplug them, plug them into your computer, um, hold a button while you power them on, and then it'll f- the, uh, update the firmware on the beacons. Um, and the thing that I want to highlight as an interesting note is that uh, I, I put them in different positions um, this time, and I forgot to recalibrate the room, and it still totally worked pretty much normally. Um, I did I did recalibrate it after doing like the intro to uh, Valkyrie, but Valkyrie did a really good job anyways, just compensating for it um, with a button. There's they literally just have a button in the on the the center of the controller that resets the center of your play to wherever your headset is. Um, so if you accidentally have it configured at like standing height, um Valkyrie doesn't care. It'll let you sit down and just be like way below the console. <laughs> but then if you hit the center button, it'll put it back where it, it makes sense to put the uh, the actual headset. Um so yeah so i tried the uh valkyrie intro um i didn't i didn't play any multiplayer matches with it i did the tutorial and the little demo thingy and um i, I blew things up and i got blown up like twice because that's that's kind of what they do with the intro they they kill you off really fast so that you know that dying is a normal thing and how clones work um the uh the targeting thing was kind of interesting with the missiles um you, you know you look at your target and then fire the button um, I I've been playing, you know, Star Citizen lately, so I've got a little bit of shooter, you know, space sim navigation written in. But it still, it still felt, it felt really comfortable to uh, to uh, fly in Valkyrie, which was a little surprising to me. I I thought it was going to be a little bit more awkward. I thought I was going to get lost a little bit more, as I tend to do in these sorts of games. Um. So uh, yeah. So the first experience with that was pretty positive. Um. Then I went into a a game called Raw Data. Raw data is a um it's it's designed for room scale it is a shooter type of game um there's a lot of like what i would call gallery shooters in um in in the Vive store and and so you you kind of stand in one spot or have a little bit of motion area or you can teleport around if you're like me and haven't set up the room scale um and then things tend to come at you but it, there's not like like in a traditional FPS where you do a lot of running through a level because obviously you're you're tethered to a computer and um the the coolest thing they did with raw data i got through the tutorial and i'll explain why i stopped after the tutorial in a moment um but uh they have uh they they tell you they're going to show you how to use the gun and they say the gun is on your hip pick up the gun and so you you reach down and you grip you push the grip buttons on the controller and your hand comes back up and of course your hand was already gripping a vive controller and it's actually funny because when there's nothing in your hand, your hand is still like permanently locked in the gripping something position virtually. But uh, once you pick up the gun, it's really cool because you can actually, you know, see this in your hand and you feel something, you know, that you're holding the controller and everything just matches up perfectly. You know, that there that there is this gun at the end of your hand. Um, and that was really neat. And uh, their reload mechanic is actually that you grab um, the magazine from your other hip with the other Vive controller and you put it under the, you know, uh, the grip of the gun and then it reloads it. So it actually looks pretty good and it feels pretty good in terms of your actual holding of the weapon. Um, it's very sci-fi and they kind of, you have like this kind of cyborgy arm that moves very well with your own arm. So it's, 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 a really neat effect. Um, probably one of the more immersive ones I've seen. Um, and then, you know, they have you shoot some, some mechanical robot demo dummies.
3: How, how did you like the, uh, like the hand controller? So like how, that, that's one thing that I think Oculus did really, really well. Uh, I was kind of curious how like that part of the interface worked for you.
1: I actually, I really like them. Um, they're way bigger than I thought they were. Like when, from just having seen pictures and stuff, you don't realize that they're actually like they make Wiimotes look kind of small. They're they're really? yeah. they're they're pretty sizable units. They're I mean they're like a full size Wiimote with a big circular thing attached to the end of it. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty bulky unit, um, but it feels really comfortable. You get used to it quite uh, you know pretty quickly. Um, if anything, I I mean there's the only thing I would say could could be better is uh, there are some the grip buttons um, that are kind of on the handle they can be they can take some real intention to push they're not like if you make a natural grip on the controller it's not going to register you have to specifically you know adjust to be trying to hit those buttons which is a little awkward um and i guess the oculus actually does has the uh the pads being uh capacitive so they can detect where where your finger where is on these buttons and really, this pad is not that uh, not that capable. Um, and and that was actually that was one of the interesting things um, that I was hearing. We might hear something about at uh, CES next week. Is um, that while they have confirmed that there will not be a Vive Two announced next week, thank you, because I just bought this thing a month ago. Um, that there may be some work on you know newer controllers, maybe a newer um, head strap or. or um, face mask or some of those sorts of things maybe the beacons will get you know an improvement or something like that um but uh so they might do something like that um i actually i really want a gamepad that has um that has the tracking of the vive controllers because this tracking is fantastic um it it really is um the you can perfectly one-to-one map where these things are if they're sitting on a table or something like that and my biggest problem playing a game like Valkyrie that requires a gamepad is you pick up your, your headset, you put the headset on, you get everything all situated so you're comfortable, and then you're like, where the heck's the gamepad? I can't see a dang thing. Um, I'd kill for like an Xbox controller that, that had the tracking so that the the Vive could render where it was in the world so I could just reach out and grab it.
3: One of the things I'm I'm struck with is uh, – do you remember the old Nintendo Power Glove? I, uh,
1: I am not – old enough to have used the nintendo power <laughs> glove but uh I, i've obviously heard of it
3: trust me made you feel like iron man so the one of the things i thought would be really cool now i having i've not messed with the vive but uh, like i said oculus did the sort of hand ring thing really well wh- it, it felt really good uh the only thing i think is a next leap ahead is if you actually had something almost like a Waldo gloves that you put on that allowed you to manipulate with your hands. And it basically you could then sort of use any control setup that you can pop almost it's limited at that point by your imagination. If you're actually working it off of your hands. Now I have seen a device or I've, uh, yeah. Okay. I've seen devices anyway that work off of basically ring sensors. So you put a ring on your finger, and that basically is your mouse. And when you wanted to click, you like do a trigger pulling motion, that kind of thing. And those work really well in some, in some circumstances. So uh, if they had something that is a leap ahead, that would be you know almost like a glove type thing where you could like really kind of freewheel it and, and do a lot of different things with it, that'd be pretty cool. Uh,
1: what uh, CCP was doing at FanFest was pretty awesome. Um, their their whole demo with the disc battle and stuff that I've, I've talked about before, um, was that they used a Kinect uh, connect camera to uh render you and render your hands and arms and stuff in, in the game world. Um and that was with an Oculus Rift.
0: Hmm. Was that given the fidelity of like actual finger movement or just yeah. showing um, you visually? Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean I was I was able the big the big highlight point was like when uh you know the the demo guy at FanFest put on the headset, you know, he's like he he reached out towards me and was like okay shake my hand and you could just reach out and shake his hand there was nothing ab- you know odd or abnormal about it you could see his hand in the virtual environment and my hand met his hand because there was all you know hand eye coordination was was perfectly
2: matched up pretty cool makes me wonder how how far off from something like you know like that glove that you were talking about earlier jay uh how far off we are uh, in terms of, of uh, VR controllers? Uh,
3: no, I, I would tell you that, that there there are things that exist. I mean, I've seen, like I said, I, I've seen devices that, that basically work like that, uh, that, that do exactly that. I mean, you can almost get to, it's not quite the Tom Cruise Minority Report thing going on, but because mm-hmm. uh, you'll remember what he did, he put on a pair of gloves to do that that was actually like, that was the controller was really the gloves on his hand this is one of those little things you pick up in the movie. That was actually what was intended when these guys were putting some of these tech demonstrators together was something that looked like that was how do you, and that's how they, so basically the glove they ran, um, they started with the ring sensors and then they went through the glove sensors. So they, they had, nobody's producing them as a product yet, but the technology is absolutely there.
1: Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, and one of the other things is uh, that I actually have and have never used productively um, is there's a there's a device. It's called the Mayo and it's actually it's a little um, uh, I think it's like an EKG sensor almost that you, you strap on your arm and it can it detects what you, it detects like the the impulses to your fingers. And so you can actually like it's just wrapped around your uh, forearm, but it can detect when you make like um specific gestures with your fingers it's pretty cool um yeah but so the, the to wrap up my uh raw data review and and first to say that yeah the immersion effect was actually really cool um and then they did like a blade demo where again you're still holding the controller and they just replace the gun handle with a blade handle and you get a little beam sword and that was pretty cool too um but then they tried to do like a uh like uh like Fists only melee combat demo, and I'm not sure if it was that the game crashed or what was going on here. But you know, first of all, you have to go really close obviously to these you know robot dummies that are attacking you, and it didn't register anything I I was doing, even though obviously you're still gripping the Vive controller. Um, so I just had this these like robot dummies punching me repetitively, and you hear this your character noise going, Ugh! and it's you know it's obviously it's right in your face, um, and I couldn't get that to stop, <laughs> and it's it, it was actually I was I was kind of getting the immersion effect from from like the gun demo and stuff, so um, I honestly I ripped the controller the the controller off, um, sure. and that was the end of the raw data demo for me, um, and I I literally I had to like kill the process from task manager on my computer it really did not want to close so I I honestly I think that what happened was it crashed but I I just found like a attempted melee demo super uncomfortable I mean I don't want to play this game this thing for like I don't want to play like a horror game I don't want stuff like shoved in my face um and it it was kind of feeling that it was it was pretty uncomfortable for a demo um so I didn't actually get to any gameplay with raw data and I might give it a try at some point again if I can uh maybe figure out how to get right back to like the gunplay and skip the, uh, skip the melee demo this time. Um, and so, um, I put the VR headset back on and I looked for something a little bit more calming. Um, so on the far end of the spectrum, uh, I tried out Google earth VR, um, because that's about as calming difference from a a shooter as you can get. Um, and, uh, so that's that's kind of cool. It's just it's just you can use the controllers to kind of browse around the the globe and and Google Maps has all their three D effects in there to make all the buildings stand up and whatnot. Um, but the thing is, is my my favorite thing to test when I'm looking at like Google Earth or something is I like to look at Groom Lake. Yeah, I, I I figure it's got to be worth seeing maybe. Um, and I can't remember where in Nevada it is because you know the, the it it's. It's a a dry lake in the middle of the desert, so it's it's not much to see to begin with. Um And so, as with any Google program, I look to search for um for you know groom Lake. And uh, there is no search button on Google Earth VR. There is no way to search for something at all. there's There's you know, kind of some favorite place slash suggested places that you can go to but there is no search button no text entry no speech entry there is no way to search for something in google earth vr and to find a google product without a search feature was <laughs> was flabbergasting to me i i was amazed and mystified at the same time um but it but it was cool
2: you have to say okay google <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't get me started
1: so
2: was it like was it like in street view though like could you like turn your head and be like oh my god there's a building you know um, there are you, buildings you, all around me? no
1: no you couldn't uh, go that low like the um like you would be at like flying above looking straight down and then the furthest in you could go would be looking out horizontally across the landscape but it'd still be like you were 200 feet in the air
2: that's lame dude
1: yeah you really couldn't like really drill into ground level and that's I mean it's understandable when you when you know that you know the limitations of like their 3d mapping is technically like they put some like well this building's like some 20 feet tall and so they raise that point by like 20 feet right there according to the shape of the building and they kind of just stretch the image over it you know it's enough at a at a overview level it looks okay but you know the other thing, but like Street View itself is just a set of meshed together pictures. It's a completely completely separate system, really, from what gives you that three D Earth environment um, in in Google Earth. So it's it's not really practical to uh, for them to be able to do. And then you crushed my hopes and dreams. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna. Uh, you I'm know, right. Right. For, for, for. you you let me hang on to this long enough. I'm gonna crush everyone's VR hopes and dreams. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to sum up like what I feel like the graphics quality is. Um, it's it feels a lot to me still like playing a Nintendo DS, where you have like this great 3D rendering and shading going, but you're you you can still tell you're playing it on a really shoddy little screen. And that's what it feels like, even even with, you know, what is currently the, the best out there.
2: Now, did you get, you know, you, you hear people who, who do VR and they're like, oh, I got sick after two hours. Did you experience any of that? Not at all.
1: I, I mean, now, mind you, I didn't play any games that, like, really had, you know, the floor moving underneath me or anything like that. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you, so one of the only things I found really odd um is uh, So, you know, Valkyrie, you look around the cockpit and stuff and you can look down at your legs and whatnot. Um, but what I noticed is that the 3D model for the Valkyrie pilot is completely static. It doesn't move. So, like, I'd be hitting controls and stuff, but the character doesn't, like, hit controls. Your arms don't move at all. It's very strange, actually. It, it actually breaks some of the immersion for you to look down and see, like, a static 3D model.
0: Yeah, that is a little weird. It would have been a kind of a cool flair that as you're you know, interacting with what is effectively the UI in the cockpit, that it actually went and made the motion. That's kind of a missed opportunity on their part. It, well, I
1: mean, it's it's an easy thing to add later. It's it you know it's one of those things that those, oh yeah
0: yeah I noticed. I hope they do. CCP anyway. is so good at adding things later.
2: <laughs> It'll
1: be in Valkyrie
0: too. Oh god. Anyways, did you want to move along to your other uh, PC related experience with uh, Star Citizen? I feel like I should. We
1: should have arranged this better, so I got like five minutes of a break in between or something. Because, you know.
0: Oh no. no I,
1: I, I, I I actually feel like you know kind of sick this week, um, and and you've got me on the spotlight here for like a pretty okay. pretty major oh, oh, segment. Oh, oh, okay.
0: I'll give you but a, a bit of a lead-in here. Um, so, Zell has been playing uh, Star Marine, which is kind of the FPS component of Star Citizen, and there, the FPS component does um, bleed over into the Persistent Universe module, which is the, you know, hop your ship, fly around, board station, shoot people, that sort of thing. But there there is a um, self-contained FPS element to it, which is Star Marine. And right now, it's currently um, 8 versus 8, and while well, i believe i have access to it i, I really don't think the computer could properly run it because the game engine is insane um so what Zell did is he got on there and he did some recordings and i've got the recordings playing on the twitch stream right now we'll also have a link to that on youtube once this goes on the website um and then he, he kind of pulled me in separately and, and we we watched him play the game live and, and we kind of you know we, we saw what was going on and kind of you know experienced it through him rather than just watching you know a gameplay demo so um so what Zell's going to talk about is kind of uh you know his thoughts on on starboard in its current state it's still very much an alpha um so it's, it's pretty basic um and then bait and i will probably offer up our thoughts on it and, and kind of talk about you know what it looked like kind of what we what we saw what we liked what we didn't like um and then probably the pressing question in everyone's mind is is how does it relate to i mean it, it's not directly related to, but how does it compare rather to um what one might expect from like dust pilot or Nova, um, since it is kind of a similar title, um, in its setting at the very least. So, um, I'm going to hand this over to Zell and he's going to talk a bit about his experience playing star Marine in star. Citizen.
1: That was great. Um, I actually, I, I've been playing star citizen in general as a whole, quite a bit. Um, these last couple weeks, um, they released alpha 2.6, which of course includes star Marine. They added a couple of new ships, um, various other additions and features that they, they took care of. Um, And, uh, so Star Marine itself is, um, just, uh, you know, in, in the Star Citizen universe, they set things like Star Marine and Arena Commander as, like, almost like video games that your character can play. Um, you know, they're, they're simulations outside of the persistent world of the MMO universe. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a pretty simple starter. They don't have a lot there. There's two, two different, there's like medium and light drop suits available, there's like two different rifles, a shotgun, and I think a sniper. Um, and uh, so very little loadout customization. But there is some, which is further than they were in the test patch I was playing. Um, but uh, And they have two maps currently. And each of the maps is actually kind of it, it, uh, um, designed... Um, it has kind of four areas um, for different capture points. Because the, the two game modes, which I should have gone to first... Uh, is they have like a domination mode where they have four capture points, and then they have a f- like a complete free for all mode that's just you know kill everyone you see. Um, and what they do is they have the capture points on on kind of the four cardinal directions of the map, and then not only can you get to those all through the various hallways through these space stations, um, which is really the setting, but they have a big um, they have a big open space area in the middle of the game environment in both games, and you can actually just you know you pass through like a a blue force field that's holding in the atmosphere and then you're out in space and sometimes that out in space has a little bit of a platform that you're still kind of attached to and you can run along um, but if you run off the edge of the platform you're you're just in free floating EVA and you you have some little thrusters so you can control your rotation and your movement forward and backward and side to side and such um and so for me it's 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 super fun to just run out there and fly around shooting people in, in zero G and, and watching their corpses just float off into space once they die. Um, because that's, that's the best part, obviously, of shooting people in, in zero G space. Um, and, uh, they did a lot really. I mean, that's really, to me, the the thing that they focused on, on trying to get some game mechanic working right. Um, there, cause as I said, there isn't a lot else there. Um, but there is a lot to play with in terms of like you know if if you if you exit if you approach something with gravity you know too fast if you hit the ground you're going to like lose control of yourself and have to you're going to hit the ground and have to like you know sort yourself out and pick yourself up and it's it's several seconds of delay whereas if you kind of you know arrange yourself correctly orient yourself correctly you know put a nice gradual you can literally go like right from flying around in 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 zero g to just running straight through a hallway but it's it's got to be you know carefully arranged with that um and they did a a ton of work for that on the sound design too um like one of those big things is of course that there is there's no sound in space that's that's a thing that you know sci-fi always does wrong and and that's usually a creative decision but uh you know, Star Citizen, its attempt for realism. Um, the only sounds you hear when you're in zero G is you hear like your own breathing. You hear bullets being fired out of your gun, and you hear a shot. You hear a sound when your suit is getting hit, and you you can also kind of hear if you're if you're running along a deck plate or something, you can hear footsteps along that deck plate. So it's it's like. If there's something for that sound to be reverberating through your suit, you'll hear it, but otherwise you won't. So if someone's shooting and not hitting you, you're not going to hear anything.
0: Yeah, I have to say that the the sound design was, was quite well done. I, I liked kind of that um, – you actually kind of see this in Valkyrie as well. When you launch out of the tube, it's very loud, But as soon as you hit space, it's kind of this momentary silence um, from, from being in space. And, and I like that with, with, with Star Starry is that it, it, they did get the sound design quite well. – uh, the sound design was done quite well. Um, as for the gameplay, uh, honestly, the, the level this is currently at, it, it reminded me quite a bit of the FanFest um, demo for for Nova. Um, extremely simplistic, really, just kind of showing you know how the, the gun game feels and whatnot. And and obviously, the zero chicken Component was kind of its its selling point. Um, but the game looks it looks pretty good. I mean, it, it's kind of your the aesthetic is very similar to your. Uh, standard sci-fi shooter nowadays you know it's it's got a, a pretty good look to it um i, I was as i expected it's, it looks about what I, what I thought it would be um but the gameplay itself uh, with the understanding that it is a, a tech demo it, it, it seemed very generic um in that sense that it was pretty much running around you got your assault rifle you're throwing grenades you know nothing too out of the ordinary the, the zero g um, element was kind of the, the selling point for this one i think where um from like a level design perspective, it was kind of an interesting uh, look because, like Sal said, there was kind of a central area where um, it was it was on every map where you could you could go into the zero g space, but you weren't forced to necessarily. Um, you could kind of go around or work around, or you could go into the zero g space and stay attached to that platform and and pass through it. and and you didn't have to participate in that that zero g experience if you don't like it or if it didn't work for the gameplay. Um, at the same time, it does offer some advantages where you could, literally run out and jump up into the air and kind of fly upwards and then shoot down at people from an elevated position because you're floating out in space which gives you an advantage but that's kind of balanced out by the fact that you are um you you are maneuverable when you're when you're um, floating around you've got little jets like you described um but not the kind of fidelity you would expect from being on foot in this kind of game so you're kind of a sitting duck um you don't have any cover you're it's hard to dodge fire um you have to compensate a lot more for your movement because the bullets in this game are not hit scan they're actual um projectiles so you have kind of um what i describe as like like a trailing crosshair which kind of helps to show you you're going to fire your gun you're pointing this direction but because of your movement it's actually going to land kind of in this this direction um which kind of increases the difficulty of, of fighting in zero gravity, and all of that's very cool. I thought that was kind of the neat feature for, for Star Marine, and that was kind of a selling point at this stage of the game. Um, the persistent universe stuff's a little edgy, a little iffy, just because it's you know there's only sixteen people right now before the servers explode, so that's kind of limited. But yeah, uh, you know, like I said, the gameplay plan fairly generic. It looks it looks good. You know, it, it looks like Star Citizen. Um, you know, the, the, the graphics are on par for your standard PC shooter. Um, and the, the gameplay for the zero Jews was interesting i like the sound design so i mean overall it, it was it was pretty good you know nothing groundbreaking that i could see um but again it is very early in its development so you, know, you kind of gotta give it a pass for that uh but yeah um but you you saw it as well right Did sell stream it to you
2: yeah yeah he did and i i watched about was it was like an hour of it i think and i was i was really impressed um you know, this was my first time, you know, seeing something in depth for uh, four-star marine, and you know what I saw, I was, I liked it. Um, it's very beautiful game, um, and you know, you, the, you know, like Pokey said, the, the sound components were, uh, were really well done. Um, I really liked that aspect of you know going out into the zero G space and not hearing anything. Um, except, you know, what you came into contact with. Uh it was is really cool and I can't think of any uh, anything else that has done something like that as far as sound. Um uh, the the is probably my favorite part to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it was it was weird at first, like to see um, to see Zell, you know, quote unquote jump off the map. And then, oh, my God, he's floating. He's going up and down and side to side, and whatever. That was really cool. Um, and then I think uh, he, he may have killed a couple of people from from space. I uh, you know, also died there. a lot. It, you a also lot. did die a lot. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Yeah, now that I'm watching the stream, it's hilarious yeah, well, to see how often you get <laughs> completely annihilated if I'm watching recording yeah, here. The actual
1: the actual video clip that I recorded for the purposes of putting on the stream was the worst like match that I played in that thing. It was, oh, it was just it, we got wrecked every all four rounds of the, the domination um mode. It was just it it was it was a face roll and I, but I was kind of I was recording it with the intention of the show so all the time I was dead. This is what I was doing. I kid you not. You know you know when you're dead you could do the like the left and right mouse button to flip between other players in your team to get footage. I was literally trying to be like a little bit of a video director here in this, and I was trying to be like, okay, this this shot looks good. All right, let me let me turn this a little bit like this. That looks cool. That's what I <laughs> that's what I did more than I was actually shooting stuff in the game that I recorded. <laughs> I'm like, see, I got some good footage. It wasn't me. It certainly wasn't me. It was good footage. Um,
0: yeah. But, but yeah, what, what were you saying, Ben? Kind of cut you off
2: there. Well, no, no, you're you're perfectly fine. Um, I, I you know, kind of going with the the zero G thing. I think. What, what was really interesting was when you transition uh, from 0G to back to the, the the platforms that are in space, you kind of, if you don't land it just right, kind of do this weird like face plant tumble thing. It takes you like maybe a good 10 or 15 seconds to actually like compose yourself and pick yourself up uh, to stand on your feet, which was, which was really interesting. And Zell so kind of... He stopped playing Star Marine at one point and went back to Star Citizen. I think he like tripped down the stairs or something, or that may have been in Star Marine. He tripped down the stairs and like. It, it did the same thing. Like you actually rolled down the stairs. Um I'm not sure really how cool. much of
1: that was like intentional and how much of that was like horrible physics glitching.
2: Um oh, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it was cool because you were rolling down those stairs for like yeah. a solid five yeah, seconds. Yeah, you,
1: you will you will roll down the stairs if you if you hit them weird.
2: Um like if you haven't seen it, uh you know, from the first person it's really cool, but from the, the third person, you are know, looking at it, I imagine it's like Okay, think of any scene in a movie or whatever where you've seen somebody tumble down the stairs. I I'm pretty sure that's what it looked like. It's really interesting.
1: I, I actually there might be a stair, fall, stair tumble in the, the clip that I, I included for the stream. So um but yeah, so there was that. The other thing that they did um that they did a lot of work on it seemed was um they don't they don't give you like a health bar. There is there is a health score that they don't show you as the case is. But they oh. show they show you, like, a picture of your dude with, like, his arms and his legs and his body and his head. And so you can – they have, like, kind of a yellow, a red, and a dark red state of injury to each of your limbs. Um, and then if you're – like, if a part of your body is, like, ruined and it's, like, dark red, then you're bleeding out. And then you take, like, a point of damage every second until you die. So you can actually get like 100 points for just like killing someone, but 75 points you'll get if you get a bleed out kill because they died like after they ran away from you from the damage. And they give you um, they give you like a a healing stim needle you can stab yourself with. You get a couple of those and then you can uh, you can get more at stations throughout the map.
2: So it's just so incredibly cool that you're able to to, you know, take a couple of shots of somebody and and run away and still potentially have uh you know be able to kill them which is so cool
1: yeah so it it does have that going for it that's very um very dust like with a a long time to kill and you know a a mechanic that you can you know deal with healing your health actually kind of matters and you can you know run away regroup try again that sort of thing
2: what was that thing with the glass that you were showing me you shot out the glass and like small individual was it small individual parts like yeah, it was, like, it was where just the- that like
1: if you sh- shoot a window in this you actually you'll actually see a hole punched in the window permanently for or you know for the rest of the match where you shot not like um you know a lot of games you'll shoot something and then it'll just replace that with a generic texture of that broken um whereas they actually like put Physics to their glass so that if you shoot parts of the glass, those parts of the glass will be broken. Um, that was just one of those things. I'm like, that's kind of cool. It's completely excessive and probably unnecessary, and may not do anything for the per- <laughs> for the benefit of the game. But it looked cool.
2: It would be even cooler. Is does that piece of glass that you like that comes off the wall the windows like float out in space or something?
1: I don't know because every time I shot that glass, it was from the outside.
2: So I shot it in, not out. Rain. To make, like, glass mess on the floor inside Then I don't know. I didn't go over there. I just shot it. Oh, my God. You failed, yeah.
1: <laughs> I have to – I actually, honestly, I was kind of wondering anyways. I'm like, was this, like, a zero-G area that I was shooting into? Yeah. Or was there, like, some sort of decompression? I don't know because I don't, like, didn't see it that closely when I was playing with it. I didn't go look. And so I actually had a couple questions about that myself. I'll have to poke around it some more. Um. I mean, it's. I, I have fun with it. It's. There's not really a, a point. There's nothing you get. There's. There's really no progression system in the in the game at this point of any of any sense. Um, I mean, the persistent universe has a currency system, but it's also like an alpha currency that they've promised that they will wipe away at any any whim that they feel like. So, um, you know, it's really just playing for fun, so There's no point not. There's no reason not to just go screw around and see what you can do with the game.
2: You should also when you're screwing around seeing what you can do with the game, you should throw a grenade from the the normal gravity, the inside of the station to the outside and see if it see if the grenade takes on that zero G uh, yeah, I physics, th- physics. I feel like
1: game. it does, but I, I and I've I've wondered about that a couple times and I, I'm not positive on how that behaves. Um I've definitely used grenades in zero G and I've used them in, in normal gravity. Um and uh I, i'm not 100 sure it's hard to see them in the frantic panic of combat i really need to get like i it won't let me spawn a private match all by myself so i really need to just get one friend in there to spawn a private match so i can go through throw some things around and, and shoot some things and see how things react do a little bit more experimentation
0: do you want to tell us a bit about your experiences with the rest of star citizen like the Persistent universe and you, you kind of showed me a little bit but i'm sure you, you did quite a bit more with uh the by yourself
1: and- yeah i've actually i've played for several hours um with 2.6's Persistent universe um mostly because i'm embracing my inner goon um a- a- as it turns out um people in star citizen get very upset if you steal their ships um <laughs> and they're not particularly well secured <laughs> um and to give you an idea, I actually I made a forum thread about this. And you know, I'm getting attached to a game when I start playing on the forums. Um, I'm part- I am I mentioned the, the other day a couple weeks ago that I unfortunately fell into a level of Star Citizen support known as the concierge level, um, which means you get a special forum of other people who've spent the same stupid amount of money that you did. Um, I participate mostly in this forum. So if you're looking to participate in forums with me on Star Citizen, you have a long way to go. Um, but it's funny to me because, of course, being this this forum for people who spent way too much money on this game, it's an entire forum of Denny Fleetfoots. That's the whole. That, that's <laughs> the whole forum. I'm playing. It's just it. That's that's what you have. Um, and there's a large number of people there who have you know the one of the ships that came out with the new patch is um called the Caterpillar, which is a, a big multi-room ship i want to say it's got like six giant cargo container rooms and it's got a f- like three or four rooms in the back of the ship um and it's it's like three hundred dollars to buy it you know and of course they say you'll be able to get it with in-game currency when the game releases you know etc cetera, etc cetera. but the people who have it now paid three hundred dollars um And and as the case is, the persistent universe is, uh, everything is insured. And the way the insurance system works is when your ship is destroyed, you can either wait an amount of time that's like 20 minutes for a big ship and like a minute for a small ship, um, or pay a small amount of this in game currency, which they've already said is an alpha test currency they're going to wipe at any time. So the cost of someone blowing up or stealing your ship is completely inconsequential. You lose it, like if you lose a carrier in Eve, you may have lost months of work. But if you lose a ship in Star Citizen, you wait a couple minutes and then you spawn it again. So it's really, really amusing to me. I really enjoy the tears uh, from people crying about people taking their ships because it doesn't cost them anything. Um, and I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, as the case is, I stealing ships is not too hard, so it's not too fun in itself. My hope is to actually be like – to to sneak a border ship. My, my dream is that um, – I sneak aboard your ship um, at the main station. Um, you fly away into open space where the armistice zone ends and weapons are free, and then I come up behind you in the pilot seat and kill you out of the back, you know, shoot you in the back of the head on your own ship. That just seems like it would be really fun to me. So that's what I've been trying to do. And in the case of I there was this caterpillar, I snuck aboard it. Um, I found a glitch in the game. There's actually an engineering console on the bottom of the ship. Um, I couldn't find the actual door on the caterpillar, and they also lock the doors until the pilot enters the ship for the first time as, to try and, you know, discourage people from stealing ships. Um there was actually a glitch, the engineering console. You can uh you can get the prompt to uh open the engineering console from outside the ship. And if you hit it, you get the animation of you Oh, you know opening the console and then you remove yourself from the console and you're in the ship it's kind of a glitch because so that's how I got aboard the caterpillar I hid way up in the front by a turret like on the other side of the ship and um they were just not doing anything it was really it was really kind of boring um they were like showing it off because people get their $300 ships they get and what they do is they get their friends to come in the game they spawn the ship and they're like look at all the cool stuff on my $300 ship that I had no life and bought um and, and I shouldn't talk cause I spent a lot of money too. Um, but so I got bored waiting at the front of this turret sneaking around. So, um, I ran past him to the front of the ship, to the pilot seat, uh, I got in the pilot seat and warped it off the main station, which is a, you know, a sanctuary, arm- what they call an armistice zone. And I flew off to some random station and I, <laughs> I got out of the pilot seat <laughs> and both the guys who were aboard the ship had their pistols drawn at me and I actually killed one, um, before the other one killed me. Um, And that was fun um, because the guy that I killed was I'm pretty sure the owner of the ship Um, but then the other guy killed me and uh, So I I respawned at the station. This actually takes a a minute because the game is a little glitchy with the respawns Um, So it takes like a minute and it's trying to get a ship to spawn is a little finicky right now um And uh, so I got I spawned my Gladius Which is one of the newer fighters that I bought and it's a lot of fun to play with um And I jumped out to the same quantum travel point that I'd sent their ship when I hijacked it with them aboard. And the other guy who was in the ship, I guess he was just kind of clueless on what to do because he hadn't left the spot that I sent it. He was still there. So I warped over to it. And at that point, he got the idea, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should fly away. So he, he warped off, but I could see what direction he warped in. And I followed him and I blew him up. And then the other, the guy who actually owned the ship came back in another, uh, a different dogfighter. I think he had a Vanguard, um, and I'm actually very bad at dogfighting in a fair fight. So, um, I was not doing well. Um, so I rammed him and we both blew up and that was the end of that play session. Um, I consider it a win. I killed the guy twice. Um, I died twice, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so that was, that was my fun with the Caterpillar. Um, and then. The uh, Starfarer that I stole was actually a ton of fun because, again, I found the main door, but it wouldn't open for me. It was locked. Um, but the Starfarer is actually the biggest ship in the game right now. It's It's got, like, three decks, and there's actually, like, a gangway on the second deck where you can walk out of the ship and and look out into space while the ship is flying. Um, so it's got some uh, doors in a, to the exterior of the ship on upper levels. And I figured, well, I'm stuck down here on the deck— maybe they didn't lock the upper doors so i ran off the side of the landing pad and i tried to eva over to this gangway it actually took me 3 tries because um the thing is if you're if you're near like a landing pad or any sort of walkway even in 0g if you're close enough to it it will it will try and pull you down to it um and it was just just high enough that that was a problem it was also Just high enough uh, that that causes fatal damage to your legs when you get pulled down to the platform and slammed into the ground. So um, I died once doing that. I critically injured myself another time or two. And then I made it. Um, I I managed to aim myself. I got onto the gangplank on the top of the Starfarer. And sure enough, (laughs) the game designers did not lock those doors because they did not figure anyone would do that. Um, So I got on board, got in the pilot seat and warped that off. And then I got out of the pilot seat, and um, I thought the ship was abandoned. Um, it was not. Um, we I traded some fire with him. Um, I got kind of crippled. I ran off. I tried to find the med bay because I used up all my little stim pack thingies um, trying to get aboard the ship and failing. Um, unsurprisingly, maybe, they have not stocked the med bays. The med bay on the Starfare does not have any renewal stim pack things like you can find on the stations. Um, and then the starship blew up, and I don't know why. But it was a lot of fun because I, I, I found, like, both of these ships, I found, you know, alternative ways to board them without their their owners knowing. Um, and then in both cases ended up getting bored waiting and flying them off myself. Um, I just had a lot of fun with it. It's really fun. I like stealing ships. I steal ships all the time. Actually, I, the other day I didn't steal. A sh- I stole a ship to go not kill someone for the first time ever. I kill. I try and kill almost everyone I see in the game. Um but I actually someone said they needed a rescue and I stole a ship to come rescue them. Um and I still ended up killing them because I hit some debris.
2: You know what annoys me about that game is when when you were showing me the the persisting uh, universe module, right? And it took you how long did it take you to figure out how to freaking warp? Like right? what ten minutes, five <laughs> minutes, it's probably like five minutes. But Zell pulls up the controls for, for Star Citizen and I should you know it's a keyboard, right? And it's zoomed all the way up so that you can see every single key. But then when you start to move your mouse over different parts of the keyboard, it zooms in on, like, two or three keys. I swear to God, every single damn key on your keyboard has a use in Star Citizen. Some of them, I'm sure, have a multiple couple uses. uses. Yeah, cause it's there's... the most annoying thing ever. Like, oh, my God, I have to memorize, you know, okay, this control, like, Fucking primes my engines or something. This control, you know, ultra primes them, and then boom, I can press this key and finally go into work or something ridiculous like that. I yeah, mean, there's have the game and it turned me off.
1: There's like a modifier one and modifier yeah, two key. Thing,
2: fuck, man. Um,
1: yeah, there's modifier keys, and then there's like there are certain commands that they'll put a little symbol by it that means you have to double click it, or you have to tap and then hold, or or just a bu- button you have to hold there's like six different things that you might have to do to a key to actually use it. And they, they went to the neurotic extent that like the running lights on your ship, there's a button to turn those on and off so that That you can be more stealthy if you want.
2: Um, That pisses me off. (laughs) And,
1: and, and that's just for like one mode. They actually have like a little drop down selector um, because they have a different keyboard map for um, flight and EVA and like, first person running around. Um you, you, they have different they have different controls for, for the different you know modes you might be in. I think they even had the ground controls already in, even though they don't actually have um ground play in the game yet that's coming in 3.0. Um but yeah there there are so many controls. Um they did change the warp buttons on me again. It used to be um and all the instructions online if you search for it would say the old way which was that you hit B to see the navigational um you know directions and 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 then you have to middle mouse click and it, that was actually awful i hate middle mouse click as a com- control and they changed it to f which is actually much nicer um but that wasn't on the key map at all
2: <laughs> wait wait middle mouse click i mean you had to click your scroll wheel
1: yeah yeah middle mouse click is actually what? still the way middle what? mouse click is actually what? still the way they do missiles um, it's actually Ooh. between clicks and holds of the middle mouse of uh, the scroll wheel is how that, how you handle missiles in this game.
2: What the actual fuck, man? You know, you, your game has gone too far when you're middle, middle mouse clicking and middle mouse click holy Right? Come on, man. It's,
1: it's, a it's, it's a little extensive. Yeah. It um, is.
2: It's a lot extensive. I mean, so I the
1: like controls that. are kind of crazy. Um, what was the other control that I had a really hard time finding? Um, oh, oh, um. The other day, I took it took me a really hard time to figure out how to eject because I (laughs) because I kept getting glitched where I would try and leave the ship where, you know, in EVA, you're supposed to be able to just like float out of the cockpit. And I'm flying the ship, which has like a a kind of a like a modern fighter, like a a, what do you call it? Canopy. 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 Right. So it's got this, you know, clear canopy thing. And so it would open, and I would start to float out of it, and then the canopy would close, and I'd be floating stuck in the canopy of my ship. Um, it was very glitchy, and so I'm like, ah, screw it. And so I had to figure out how to eject. And there is, in fact, an ejector seat, and there is, in fact, a key sequence that will trigger your ejector seat. That is not the self-destruct button. There is a different self-destruct button um, than the ejector seat. Um, though the ejector seat will also self-destruct your ship, so it, the self-destruct button by itself will just kill you along with it. That's that's kind of the difference between those two
2: commands. Wait, 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 wait. the self-destruct button kills only you, but the eject button Well, anyone, button anyone on your ship. ship.
1: Anyone on your ship. But the difference is self-destruct kills you and your ship, and the eject button ejects you and then blows up your. That's the difference.
2: Dumb. Okay. Um
1: but yeah, lots of buttons. Way too many buttons.
2: Um Too many buttons.
1: But uh, it's it'll never come to a control a, a controller. No consoles. <laughs> there's just there's no way to fit this game on controllers, unless Thank of course you. that they they get that little Xbox add-on that adds a keyboard to the bottom of your oh, Xbox.
2: Jesus. Stop it, no, it's a bad peripheral for the Xbox. <laughs> just plug in a keyboard to your console, guys. Come on. Saw so how good it was in Dust.
1: That's so how I played Dust <laughs> for how many years? <laughs> keyboard and mouse. Straight up. Oh,
0: boy. Yeah, I mean, it was was pretty cool stuff. Um, It obviously has a ways to go, but from what they have so far, it's interesting. It's just a matter of are they trying to do too much all at once, which is probably the biggest thing that Star Citizen can be held guilty of. They are absolutely trying to do too much at once. Yeah, their, their scope creep is on a scale, which... It goes from zero star citizen down turns to scope creep. It, it's just insane. Uh, the kind of shit they're kind of trying to put in it. like, when you've got physics built on literally every single freaking bullet in your game, it's like, oh my god, this is why I can't play because it melts machines. So, you know, it, hopefully, it, it gets a little better than kind of streamline things a bit. But you know, from what we've seen so far, I think it, it looks interesting. Um, you know, it, it's obviously just a sliver of what they've promised, but it, you know, they they at least got something out that you can do and, and actually play rather than walk around your hangar, so it was cool to um, see well, we keep calling that as well as Zell's Adventures in, in the Star universe uh, continue with future updates, but uh, anything else that's up
1: I, I think we pretty much killed it for this week.
0: We killed it. Okay. Um, real quick, since we're kind of going, going long on time here, but do you want to tell us a bit about your experience with your new PC that you uh, purchased through that uh, charity event a couple weeks ago?
2: Hey, yeah, so I got it in. When did I get it in? Uh, a couple of days before Christmas, I think. Um, and it came, you know, it came uh, pre-built, actually, which I was not expecting. Um, so it, it was nice. Um, so plugged it in, made sure that everything worked. And then I had a, a case that um, I was going to put uh, the thing in anyway. So I took pictures, took note of everything. Uh, what went to what, and and this, that, and the other, and they transferred everything over to the new case, which was, you know, having never read a PC building article or whatever or watched a YouTube video, it was really easy, really self-explanatory. I think the only problem I had was getting the little, I don't even know what to call them, but they were little pins, essentially, that plugged in, I guess, that operated the the leds like for your your power button and whatnot um getting those to work um uh, it was the only thing i really had trouble with um super easy though uh, like i said so that was fun it still took you know like two hours or whatever but you know it, it, it was cool uh if anything um so fired it up um uh in the in the new case worked perfectly um really quiet too uh, which was nice, you know. After coming off of off of that, that little MacBook that would overheat ten minutes into Eve, and it sounded like it was getting ready to take off, <laughs> um, it's kind of nice, you know, not uh, not you know touching the thing and it being hot or, or loud or whatever. So that was nice. Um, I don't have a proper monitor either, so I'm currently hooked up to my TV, which I think that is the last time I will play on a TV. Just, just because it, it takes my mouse so long to get from one part of the TV to the other to go to click stuff, which is That's, kind of annoying. You can
1: fix that. That's a mouse sensitivity setting. Is it really,
2: though? Yeah. Oh, okay. I still yeah, like I, it, though.
1: I actually, I use, um, for record, I use TVs as almost all my computer monitors. The difference oh. between a computer monitor and a TV is that a TV has the analog inputs and TV tuner as an option. Um, Usually, like... Um, a computer monitor will only have a single of any input type because they'll do like a HDMI, a VGA and a a DVI. Whereas uh, with a TV, you'll get like two or like anywhere from two to four HDMI inputs. And then of course the other big difference is a TV will get you uh, speakers built in and a remote control. And so you get a lot more with a monitor or more with a TV than with a monitor, usually for about the same price. Um, and the panel, the actual screen panels are the the exact same. Um, so yeah, there's a mouse sensitivity setting. You can change how fast your mouse travels as you, you move it across the screen.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. I've got a, I've got a 42 inch TV I'm playing on with <laughs> seven HDMI ports. So that that's cool. Um, which actually is really nice. I can, you know, have my Xbox plugged into the TV and, you know, have the, have the computer plugged in as well. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's really my only complaint against it. Um. And it, it may be a, a UI thing, but uh, it is a little bit hard to see some of the things, some of the words. Um, but I think I can I can fix that on my own uh, on my own. I'll um, I'll talk to you after the show about that because I may have some other tips for you. Uh, well, just you know, yeah, yeah, that works. Um, but yeah, so I download Steam, download Eve, uh, everything runs great. Like. On my on my little Mac for comparison, uh, we'll do Eve since it's about the only thing I can play on it, um, I could get you know maybe I could get uh, fifty frames on my Mac on medium and low uh, pretty consistently. But I can <laughs> I put Eve on Ultra on on you know everything on high and get you know uh, not thirty uh, upwards of sixty I think fifty nine you know consistently even in fights. Uh, which is really nice, um, game looks so pretty now, <laughs> um, and, you know, and, of course, I can, I can now play those, those pesky Windows games I couldn't play before that are all sitting in my Steam library, um, and one of those games, um, though it is on Mac, uh, one of those games, though, I was gifted on Steam over, over Christmas was, was Stardew Valley, and oh my god, dude, that game is so much fun, <laughs> I love Stardew Valley. So if you don't know what Stardew Valley is, Stardew Valley is uh, its an RPG, right? But it's more of a, of a farming simulator. So the story goes, is you're this guy who gets this, this farm. Uh, from his grandfather in Stardew Valley, and then you go and you uh, you basically build up the, you know the farm as, as best you can. There's little side stories going on and everything. Um, like there's uh, something you can do in the city with uh, the community center, and you can get to know the people uh, of the town. And there's a, an adventurous guild that I haven't even touched yet. But there's a lot to do in the game, and there's a lot of uh, creativity, I guess, as far as you know what you can put. Um, in your farm, and and what kind of crops you can grow, and this, that, and the other. Uh, it's such a good game, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I was talking to talking to Ripley Riley about it. Um, the whole game was made over the course of I think four years by one dude uh, who who did everything, all the programming, all the art. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, so that one guy did that entire game, and it's a it's a fantastic little game. It's on sale right now. Uh, On Steam, as part of the winter sale, I think it's ten dollars, maybe.
3: Yeah, but the
1: the Steam sale is going to be practically over in like it's only got a couple hours left. Is uh, Is there never?
3: Is there not always a Steam sale going on somewhere? Um,
1: yeah, there's there's one for every four seasons,
0: but you're gonna wait a couple months.
2: But. No, there's people listening live who may be like, eh, I don't know, what to buy, buy Stardew Valley." What a fun game!
0: And it's it's only 25% off, so at the worst you're paying a couple of, a couple dollars more. So it's it's still yeah. it's still a pretty inexpensive inexpensive.
2: Game. Dude, even at full price, that game is worth all $15 or whatever it normally is. Absolutely is. Like I've had that game for how long have I had that game? I don't know, maybe four days or something. I've put like over nine hours into it, I think, right? So fun. It just, you, you have to go play for yourself to to kind of grasp, you know, how good of a game it is. Or even just watch gameplay videos.
0: Yeah, man, it looks pretty cool. And for those of you who are watching the stream, I've got actually two different PCs that are kind of scrolling up. The first one, the red one, is is the one that they got. Uh, the purple and white one is actually uh, Libby's. She has now gotten her own PC and and want <laughs> to tell us a bit about your, your, your kind of revelation and realizing that some of the ports that we had on PS4 were really really bad compared to the pc version
3: well you know it's kind of like putting glasses on for the first time and realizing that the carpet has fibers <laughs> it's sad to say it that way but
2: i was like oh no no i'm fine while you're playing final fantasy final fantasy yeah, yeah. with a
3: controller is actually not great but you don't notice because i started playing it that way and then coming onto the pc i was like holy crap this isn't hard yeah,
0: the controls in that game aren't bad on controller, but they're they're not meant for controllers, so it's it's a little iffy. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's good. That both of you guys have gotten gotten the PC now, and, and we can do a little more complete reviews now. Um, if we get requests for games or want to try something new, we can we can kind of all hop on together and give it a shot. So good stuff moving forward.
1: And I'm so so proud to see uh, so many new members of the PC master race here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know. uh, we, we started as the dust podcast it's a sensitive topic dude <laughs> um, that's yeah, so fair speaking of, fair. Sp- speaking of steam um, they, they kind of released a top 100 um, list for uh, it looks like it's sorted by gross revenue for the, the year 2016 which is kind of an interesting metric um, given the results did you want to talk a bit about that Joe? Um, yeah I mean
1: I don't know like it looks like they went to levels because they have like the platinum gold silver and bronze categories here i don't think they wanted to reveal the actual sales because if you look at if you look at a game like um uh infinite warfare where their sole distribution on pc uh technically not true anymore there's the windows store version but nobody bought that version the the fact is is the uh the sales in steam is the majority of their, their their actual sales for the game on the platform um so, obviously, you know, Steam doesn't want to reveal their own revenue, but they're probably pretty hesitant to actually reveal, like, how much money these different games have actually made. Um, so, I think they just have them grouped into categories, and, you know, your top category here is some, you know, pretty common, not surprises, The Witcher 3, The Division, Fallout 4, Rocket League, uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, um, No Man's Sky, though everybody who bought it probably wished they hadn't, Um CS:GO, Dark Souls 3, uh, Dota 2, uh, the Warhammer Total War game, XCOM 2. Um what I actually found really surprising was uh, Infinite Warfare actually was like near the bottom of this list. And the, you know, Call of Duty, a, a new Call of Duty title used to, you know, really rank up at the top.
2: Um Infinite uh, Warfare's uh, defense though it just came out.
1: Right. Yeah, and it did. And in actually, no, what, Black November, Ops Three think, does right? list much higher on this list. Yeah, it's um, been out
2: for a full
3: year.
1: But uh, you know, there's a lot of free-to-play titles that ranked up pretty high in this list. Um, a lot of indie titles that ended up higher up in the list than um, you know a lot of the the major major first-party games. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see where this this came out.
0: Yeah, I mean, Warframe landed with the, the gold section, so I mean, that's, that's you know, top uh, 24 right there. Because I actually reloaded the page here, actually, it even scrambles um, where the icons appear on the pages not to give a, a perception of, of one being higher than the other. But uh, yeah, like you said, they're, they're grouped up, and in, in Warframe, which is free-to-play, um, means that it, it got gold status solely through its uh, monetization, which is pretty impressive. Um, Stardew Valley, um, that's not free to play, but that, that's actually also gold, so that's the one they just talked about. So but a, that's, that's a, that's a pretty well. small,
1: small pretty indie small. title, and, right. and...
0: Yeah, for a for $10 game, I mean, or $10, $15 game, it's... And it's, it's ranked it's up, up in the, a lot of
1: way up there, yeah. It's up in the same, yeah. it's, a,
0: it's in the
1: same class as Doom and Rainbow Six yeah, Siege. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot of good titles on here, um a lot of them are still on sale if you're listening live and and, can be pick up a sale, but uh, even then, a a lot of them are indie titles which are normally pretty cheap anyways. Um, you know 10, 15, 20 dollars, you know, much less than your standard mainstream games. So I mean you can still pick up a lot of these for uh quite cheap um if you want a good uh, PC game to kind of try out and, and a wide variety too. I mean there's there's MMOs on here, there's shooters, there's RPGs, there's farming simulators, there's dark souls, you know, that that everything is on this list. So, I mean if you want to kind of peruse what was popular this year and then pick up some stuff for maybe cheap or at least some um, uh, some small level of sale um definitely worth taking a look at. Uh, that being said, I think that's it for the show. We've been running pretty long here. So is there any other small topics you guys want to jump on real quick before we bring this one in for a close?
3: Nope. Good to go. So,
0: all right. Go. I think we'll take That's good. Um, so yeah, let's do some shout outs here at the very end. So uh, we're going to start at the top of this with Zell because I've made him talk a lot this episode. So we're going to make him go first again anyway. So what's your shout out?
1: Carrie Fisher. Yeah. it's it's uh, It's been two weeks. A lot has happened. Carrie Fisher, her mom. The day after, um, it's been a crazy year. Um, 2017 is welcome. 2016 can go suck it. That's that's all I got. Yeah, that
2: was rough stuff. Um, uh, yeah, a couple things actually. Um, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to uh, everybody who uh, uh, said uh, nice things uh, to me uh, during my birthday. That was that was really nice. Um, didn't expect it uh, honestly. So thank you all very much um shout out to uh my court uh been flying around in in eve uh still with them having a lot of fun killing all lot of shit uh so that's always appreciated
3: and i think that's it
0: all right good stuff man all right jason you're up man
3: uh yeah uh jill kind of got up but uh shout outs to uh carrie fisher uh absolutely a huge loss to hollywood and and culturally surprisingly enough uh, a whole lot of people around the world. Uh, so, hat, you know, hats off to Billy Lord, her daughter, and the rest of their family. Uh, you know, having to bury uh, mom and grandma basically on the same day. So, uh, other than that, a uh, bit of a, a downer for 2016, I would say. I'm looking forward to 2017. There's a lot of pretty cool things uh, coming down the road, and uh, it's good to be back. And I'd also like to give a quick shout out to some folks that I'm not going to name. Uh, but believe it or not, I did tell them that I did this for for as a side job or a side gig. Not that I I get paid a thin dime, but um, they were absolutely taken aback by the fact that I would I would sit sit here and do a podcast about the video games and movies and stuff like that uh, because they absolutely don't see that side of me. Uh, so I, uh, I I will. Let my inaugural uh, 2017 uh, episode go out to some folks, uh, some good friends of mine that are out in, uh, uh, how shall I say, um, sort of the eastern part of Ukraine. Me, I'll leave it at that. All right, good stuff. All right, Libby. Really, I'm just going to give a shout out to the new year. I'm I'm really praying it's going to be a better year than the last, especially for me personally. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of kind of something for all of us, um, myself as well, of course. But uh, yeah, shout out to all, all the biomass crew, especially Jay. Great to have you back. Um, we had a pretty a pretty good year. We I think we've grown quite a lot since uh, our humble beginnings back in well, 137 episodes ago. Um, and this is some great stuff. We've got a lot of cool stuff on the horizon, so you know, uh, shout out to all of our listeners. But we're going to try to stream some more. We're getting the Twitch setup to be a little more sophisticated, so we can uh, stream from uh, each of our individual channels. It'll kind of go to a central place, so you guys can, you know, just tune into one channel, but you get to see, you know, when Zell or myself or Bate streams, or whatever be even um, or, or uh, Jason to be if he gets into that, um, you can kind of see us. Play our games and then we'll hop in and we'll chat with you and stuff like that so um uh, we out of the horizon uh, as usual if you uh have a topic you want us to cover i know that we kind of promised some, some Nova topics a couple weeks ago but we're two arc here so we really didn't have time for it but uh we'll, we'll be getting back into that very soon but if you have any requests for um you know, stuff related to Nova Dust or just game design in general, um, I, I personally really enjoy doing kind of those, those deep dive discussions. Um, let us know. We, we love ideas on that. Uh, any other topics, if there's any movies or games you want us to play and review, let us know. Uh, and, of course, if you want to be on the show, uh, feel free to let us know and we'll get you hooked up uh, with uh, the information to come on and and, and say your bit. May that be, you just want to participate, or if you've got a game you want to talk about, or a project, or, you know, another show you're thinking about starting, just let us know, and we'd be happy to help you out. So, uh, that being said, I want to thank everyone for uh, tuning in, I hope you all had a good holiday, and I hope you have a safe year moving forward, and, uh, you know, happy holidays, and happy New Year from the Biomass crew, so, this is us signing off, you have a good night.